listening to the Business of Baking podcast with Michelle Green, the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind. If you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those, then you're in the right place. This is an honest, straight-talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business. Fueled by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green. Welcome to the latest episode of the Business of Baking podcast. It's Michelle here, although that's kind of a funny thing to say because I don't know who else it might be. I'm the only one who does this podcast. It's just me. So today is going to be a little bit of a more interesting episode, a little bit more freeform. Normally the way this works is I decide what I'm going to talk about. I write kind of a rough script, just kind of some dot points of stuff I want to talk about, and then I talk about it. And most of the time I tend to go away from that roughly written script. But today there is no script at all because I decided to do a little bit of an experiment. And I posted in a number of my Facebook groups that I was going to do an Ask Me Anything episode of the podcast. And I invited people to ask me literally anything. And I even said, there is no topic which is out of bounds. So possibly that was a bit of a dangerous thing to do. But I actually ended up with a bunch of really, really brilliant questions. And in fact, there were so many questions about so many cool topics that I think we're going to have to stretch this out to Ask Me Anything episodes, not just the one I had intended. Before I jump into those questions today, I actually just wanted to give you a little bit of a heads up about what's happening with me and what's happening with the business of baking. There are three big things coming up. The first is that I will be teaching in person all over the world for the rest of the year. So at this stage, it is in the United States and in Canada and in the UK. Uh, and we recently added a city into the U.S., which is Chicago. I get a lot of requests to go there. I actually did teach there two years ago, but we're coming back to Chicago. So if you want to come and meet me in person, the best way to do that is to go to bizbakeontour.com. And I'll include all the links to this in the show notes as per usual. But that's the best way to see me in person. The other thing I've got coming up is in October, I'll be opening up enrollment to my big class called Build Your Profitable Cake Business. That is the biggest class that I run. And that's really for people who, it doesn't matter if you're at home or you're in a shop or whatever, it's really much more for the full timers intended for people who want to turn this into their full-time ongoing main source of income. That's kind of the really big class that I do. And then my other exciting thing is that this August, I'm opening up a brand new class with my friend and colleague, Sharon Wee. We're starting a class called Sweet Side Gig, which as the title implies, is intended only for those people who are doing things as a side gig. So, you know, we realize there's like so many people out there who either can't or don't want to be doing this full-time, really only want it to be a part-time gig, but there's no business class out there for you guys, which is kind of unfair, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I've been teaching business classes for a long time, but I have mostly aimed them towards people wanting it to be a bigger thing. And I realized that we were leaving all the guys behind who wanted to do it as a side thing. So we've created a class called Sweet Side Gig. It opens up this August. You can find it at sweetsidegig.com. And we'd love to see you in that one. That's going to be a very different kind of community than what you've seen before. And it's very different to anything I've done before as well. So I'm really excited to be sharing that with you. So that's what's happening with me and the business of baking. And today we're going to talk about all kinds of crazy stuff. Now, I will admit that when I put up the call for asking anything questions, 
I thought the questions that would come back would be really short and easy to answer. And that didn't happen. I actually ended up with some really, really brilliant questions, some of which I feel actually deserve their own podcast episode by themselves. So it's really good because a lot of those actually inspired a whole lot of thought for me about what I'd like to talk about and what you guys want to hear about. And they just ended up being way bigger than I thought they would be. So I wanted to start today just with some of the fun questions. Like I did get some really serious ones and I promised that I will totally answer those ones and I will get there. But I thought I'd answer some of the silly ones first just because they made me laugh so much and because it gives you a little bit more of an insight into who I am and, you know, I don't know, a little bit of my life really. And, and, and admittedly, you know, me being me and like super mega business nerd, even the funny questions totally made me go, oh, that's, there's actually a business lesson in that. So without further ado, let's rock on to these crazy questions. The first one is, how do you keep your hair so shiny? <laughs> Which is hilarious to me because my hair is a constant source of irritation for me and it's really not that shiny. So interestingly, here's a really interesting thing about me and appearance. And this actually might resonate with you. I'm not somebody who's a very girly girl. For those of you who have met me in person, you know that I'm, I tend to be sort of casual. My kids tell me that I dress like a teenager and makeup is sort of not a thing for me. I, I mean, I will wear it if I'm kind of, you know, going out or wanting to look impressive or something. But generally speaking, I am kind of all natural. I have no beauty regime to speak of, embarrassingly. And after I had the triplets and I lost all that weight and stuff, my hair fell out horribly and I ended up like, I wouldn't say bald, but my beautiful thick head of hair became very thin and really kind of fly away. And because it's curly, it's just all over the place. And so I'm perpetually trying to find ways to make this A, look thicker and B, less fly away. And I fail all the time. So the answer to how do I keep my hair so shiny? Uh, I don't know. It depends. <laughs> I don't think it's shiny to begin with. I think it's mostly fluffy and irritating. So I can't answer that one because, yeah, I don't. I will say that um, I recently discovered this thing called the curly girls method. I don't know if any of you have seen this out there, um, but it's actually working. So Google that. It works really well. All right. Next silly question was, what's one crazy memory containing your favorite sweets? I have a lot of favorite sweets because I'm an absolutely ridiculous sweet tooth. Like when I order a coffee, it's like, hi, can I have a latte with six sugars? <laughs> not even joking, right? I'm laughing. I'm not even joking. Although embarrassingly, I'll be like, I'll have a latte with two thanks and then I'll take it to the little thing on the side and just add the rest of my sugar because I don't want people shaming me for my extreme sugar thing. But the only memory I could think of, a crazy memory containing my favorite sweets, is that as a child, I was obese and uh, I loved food. Well, <laughs> yeah, still true, still love food. And one of the things I loved most of all was Nutella. Now, I don't know why people eat or Nutella. I don't, is it Nutella, Nutella, whatever. Anyway, that crack cocaine in a jar is what I'm talking about. That chocolatey, hazelnutty goodness. And one of the stories my mom tells about my kind of preteenhood is that I stole a jar of Nutella out of the cupboard and ate the entire thing just with a spoon, like licked it clean, and then hid the empty jar in my desk drawer. <laughs> Literally an entire thing of Nutella just disappeared. And then my mom got really annoyed at me about something, I don't know what, and her retaliation for getting annoyed at me was to empty, upend, like all my desk drawers into the middle of my room. She just created this massive pile of just junk in the middle of my room and discovered the empty Nutella jar. And it was like, oh, so that's where it went. 
So yeah, I was a closet Nutella eater, which is kind of sad and, and embarrassing, really. But there you go. And I will tell you, actually, it's not my favorite sweet, but I'll tell you one of the most fav- like family folklore stories about me is. So for those of you who are not aware, my birthday is on Christmas Day. So I'm a December 25 baby. And look, it has some advantages, but it has some definite disadvantages. And one of those is that I never got as a child to celebrate my birthday with my friends at school, like all the other moms who bring like cake or cupcakes or, you know, popsicles or whatever to share with all the other kids at school. And I never got to do that because my birthday is always when school's not, not happening. Anyhow, (laughs) this makes me laugh because it's very typical, Michelle, right? So anyhow, one day my mom decided that she knew that this upset me. And so she called my teacher and said, listen, like the day before winter break or whatever, why don't I bring in some cake cupcakes? It's not exactly Michelle's birthday, but it's as close as it can be. And so that way it'll be, you know, I don't know, December 15th or something. And at least she'll have a little bit of celebration at school. And the teacher was like, what are you talking about? Michelle's birthday was earlier this year. And my mom's like, uh, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure I know when my kid's birthday is. It's December 25th. And the woman was like, but like a couple of months ago, Michelle brought like a package of cookies to class and told everybody it was her birthday. And so we already celebrated her birthday. <laughs> so apparently as like a five-year-old, a kindergartner or whatever, I took this whole birthday matter into my own hands. I stole a box of cookies and I brought it into class and told the teacher it was my birthday, <laughs> which I feel like is very ingenious of me. And I am somewhat of a genius. So that year I got my birthday twice, which can I just say is winning at life because I love birthdays. And I apparently also like sweets. Apparently I'm also good at stealing sweets. First it was Nutella, then it was the cookies. <laughs> Ridiculous. All right. So you know what's funny about this podcast, right? Is I record this podcast by myself in my office with me and the dog and I make myself laugh continuously. And you just hear me giggling at my ridiculousness. And I think if anybody was just standing here watching me do this, they would think I was legitimately a psycho. It's hilarious to me that I get to sit here and talk to no one and just laugh. (laughs) It's very odd podcasting to no audience. All right, let's carry on. Uh, Name three of the most emotional memories with your triplets. Oh my goodness. I have emotional memories with my kids all the time. In part, the triplet thing means that every single milestone is both a beginning and an end. And I feel exceptionally bittersweet about that. They will tell you that at the time of their birthday, I make a big deal out of birthdays because I love birthdays. And I'm so proud of them growing up and I'm so excited to see them growing up, et cetera. But I will freely admit that I find, I find their birthdays hard and it, it kind of makes me a little bittersweet is the best word I know to use for this because I love and adore them so much, but it's so hard for me that, that they're growing up and they're, you know, every time somebody does something, it's the only time we're going to have that in our house. So probably the most emotional memories I can remember, um, this, the one that sticks out in my mind the most is actually from the time they were born. So when my babies were born, I was very fortunate in that I carried them nearly to term and they were very healthy and well babies. They didn't need any time in, um, you know, like the, the NICU or anything like that, but they did spend a little bit of time in the special care nursery because the nurses and the doctors wanted to make sure that all three kids were feeding well and on a good schedule. And they didn't want to send them home with me until they knew for sure that all children were thriving and well and eating on the same schedule. 
So the children were in the hospital, but obviously I was well. And so there was no reason to keep me in there. And so I got checked out of the hospital, I think two days or three days after I gave birth to them, but the babies had to stay in. And it was one of the worst experiences of my life, walking around the world, knowing that a mere few days earlier, I'd been hugely pregnant enough that everybody was commenting on it, of course. And yet here I was not pregnant and with no babies and it was or not you know pushing any babies i had them just not with me and it was the most bizarre feeling because it felt as though the entire world had irrevocably changed the whole world had tilted on its axis for me and yet all these other humans were walking around the world as though nothing had changed as though life was still life and it wasn't for me anymore. My life wasn't the same anymore. And yet for all these other strangers, they were. And I remember like being in the supermarket or at the drugstore or just driving down the street and seeing people go about their daily lives as though nothing had changed, where for me, everything had changed. And I remember distinctly feeling like I wanted to walk up to complete strangers and shake them and say, don't you know that the world is a different place now? Don't you know that the world has changed? Don't you know that I'm not the same anymore? That nothing is the same anymore? And even though I meant that in a super positive way, that experience of walking around the world with no babies to push and yet nobody noticed. And I I couldn't understand how nobody noticed that as well. And interestingly, that feeling of being so alone and so frustrated that nobody else could feel the difference in the world happened to me a second time after my father passed away. And you will have heard me mention him a lot on this podcast. I had the exact same feeling. I got back from the United States and I was wandering around Australia. And of course, nobody here knew who he was. My friends had not met him. My, you know, my family hadn't, you know, my husband's family hadn't didn't wasn't affected by it or whatever and i felt that exact same feeling of wanting to shake total strangers and say don't you know that the world has changed don't you know that it will never be the same again why are you looking so normal when nothing is normal and so I, yeah that feeling uh, i've had that twice in my life probably the second memory i have that's really emotional of my kids is um gosh probably the first day i sent them off to school i my kids had been in daycare and in like kinder and all that kind of stuff before, but sending them off to their first day of, of, well, in Australia, it's called prep, but kindergarten and seeing these little kids with these giant backpacks that like were so big, they practically hung down to the floor and watching them all walk away from me. I, that was a really hard day. And like a lot of moms, I was glad to get rid of them on some level too, because, you know, I was like, yay, oh my God, we all can, our lives can begin again. You know, we're not looking after little Lee's anymore, but at the same time, that was really tough. That was really tough watching them walk away. And I'm reminded of that now in particular because the triplets are now all in 11th grade and they will be graduating high school in a year and a half or whatever. And my daughter, Claire, actually talked about this at dinner last night. And I looked at her and I was like, don't say the G word. I can't handle the G word. The G word being graduation, of course. And again, that's a moment which for us will be filled with so much pride and so much love, but was also going to be really, really hard. So yeah, actually, as I'm talking to you, there's kind of tears in the corners of my eyes because it's been an enormous privilege to raise them and to continue to raise them. And it's been an enormous privilege to have the experience of them being in my life. And yeah, I never intended to be a mom. And then I became a mom and <laughs> three times over all at the same time. And it's been really just quite amazing. 
as for the third and most most emotional memory with my with my triplets, you know what? I don't know that I have one. I think we're creating memories every single day. They make me laugh every day. As this should come as no surprise, but all three of my kids have loads and loads and loads of personality. They're actually quite hilarious, ridiculous human beings, and I adore them. So I guess maybe that third spot needs to remain empty for the moment because we still have a lifetime of memories to make together. And bit of a spoiler alert here, I did a Facebook Live about a year ago with my daughter, Claire, talking to her about what it was like to have a mom who's a business owner. And I have convinced her to do it with me again, but this time on the podcast. So I'm going to have Claire on talking about that. Might have one of the other ones as well. I tend to, Claire tends to be the one who comes and does those kind of things because she's the most outspoken. You will hear that she sounds not dissimilar to me. So we're going to do that in a couple of weeks. But there you go. Thanks for that question, actually. Just reminded me how grateful I am to be their parent and how grateful I am that they are happy and well babies. Not such babies anymore. My son's six foot four. I don't know. Can he still be my baby if he's that huge? All right, let's carry on with the funny questions because otherwise I'm going to just end up in a blubbering, ridiculous, crying mess and we don't need that. We, we need positivity. <laughs> All right, do, uh, Michelle, do you like vegan cakes and what do you think of them? I do like vegan cakes, but I don't care if they're vegan. I just like food and I like sweet food. And so for me, vegan, not vegan, I don't really care. I just like when things are tasty. I do kind of have an issue with people putting vegetables in cake, like zucchini and chocolate cake and beetroot and chocolate cake. I'm like, could we please just eat our vegetables and enjoy them and also eat our chocolate and enjoy them? I don't really understand why we have to have all of those things in the same dish. I feel like that's offensive to the vegetables and offensive to the chocolate. So do I like vegan cakes? Yes. What do I think of them? I think if they're good, they're good. I don't really care if they're vegan or not. Um, what is the most stupid thing that ever happened to you? Oh my gosh, my life is an enormous adventure and stupid stuff happens to me on a daily basis pretty much. So it's a little hard to answer what the stupidest one is, but I will tell you a funny story from my, my, my high school years. When I was in high school, I was in theater. That should also come as no surprise to you. You can't be this dramatic as a human being and not harness that into theater work. And one year we did Grease the musical. And I can't remember what, I think it was one of the pink ladies. I don't know, something. And we were doing the scene of high school, uh, not high school, of beauty school dropout. <laughs> okay, and here I go. I'm going to start laughing at my idiocy again. Anyhow, the costume for this beauty school dropout was a, a silver um, smock. I guess, do you call it a smock? Like a silver, you know, like you put on at the hairdressers, right? A silver smock. And then the director thought it'd be hilarious if he would blow up a bunch of small pink balloons, like probably the size of like a grapefruit maybe, and then safety pin them all over these silver smocks. And then we wore like tights, I guess, or I don't know, stockings or something, and heels and we had these kind of head pieces that were made out of like spray painted silver rollers. Are you, are you getting the picture here? <laughs> and the set was the stage. And then there was a set of stairs and then a stage again. So the idea was like, if you've seen that movie, you know that, is it Frankie Valley? I think it's Frankie Valley who comes down those stairs, you know, beauty school dropout, you know, whatever. Right. And so in the staging of this show, we all come from the back onto that top stage elegantly make our way down the stairs and then parade around the bottom part of the stage in these smocks with balloons hanging on. 
So the only problem here is that there's two, well, not the two problems here is that one, I'm extremely uncoordinated and two, that stage, we enter the stage when it's dark and three, I am very terrible at walking in heels. So when you combine those three things, it's like not a really great mixture. And one night of the show, I was doing pretty well actually. And one night of the show, we came out on stage while it was dark and the music starts, you know, beauty school dropout, whatever. And we come down the stairs. Now also remember that I am fat and I have big boobs. So fat, big boobs, can't see, uncoordinated, heels, balloons, etc. dark stage, not a good mix. I start getting down the stairs and I trip and fall down those stairs. Now, here's the thing about tripping and falling. No big deal. I do this a lot in my life. But where this goes wrong is when one is wearing like a dozen or more balloons. So I fall down the stairs on the stage and immediately pop pretty much all the balloons. So it wasn't like I fell down and went oof. It was like I fell down and went oof. So I did what any good performer would do. The show must go on. And I stood up, knee throbbing, tights ripped, humiliated, balloons pop, and I just kept on dancing. Not a word of a lie. I just kept on dancing and got to the end of that number, went back and out in the back, and everybody was like, oh my God, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And like, my knees bleeding. It was just, it was really bad. But we just cleaned me up, and I went back out there and finished the show. But that is probably the stupidest thing that's ever happened to me. And, you know, I haven't been in any theater production since, and possibly there's a reason for that. I have like post-traumatic balloon trauma or something. I don't know. Really, really bad. Anyway, <laughs> do you know the best part about this whole podcast is because there is no audience, I can just say random stuff about my life and hope that you guys are enjoying it and hope that you're listening along and laughing. But it also means I have less filter than usual and I normally have no filter. So this is even more entertaining, really. I'm loving this Ask You Anything thing. Maybe I need to just make every single podcast episode and Ask Me Anything podcast. All right. Did you ever have a nightmare about a cake and what was it about? I don't remember any specific ones, but I've certainly had nights where I didn't sleep because I left a cake in my shop or in my kitchen, and I knew that when I got there in the morning, it will have fallen over. Whether it did or didn't makes no difference. The fact is, I thought it would. So I, I probably have had cake nightmares. I don't remember any specific ones, but honestly, the biggest thing is probably that I had, I had many sleepless nights thinking, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and the entire thing is going to have fallen over, which happened plenty of times, really. Um, if you could be a mermaid, what color does your tail have? This is a really cool question. Firstly, I am a mermaid. I just haven't told you. And secondly, my tail is actually the same color as the rainbow fish. So I don't know how many of you have read this book yourselves or read it to your children, but there's a book called The Rainbow Fish about this fish who has a scale that's kind of like sparkly and rainbowy looking. And that's what I want to be. I want to be like a kind of teal, rainbow, sparkly, silver, glittery mermaid. I want to be like an extra mermaid who has, no, sorry, I'm a mermaid. My mermaid tail is extra sparkly, glittery, shiny, tealy, bluey, whatever. I feel like the orange mermaids and the pink mermaids and the green and yellow mermaids, no shame, man good on them, but I want to be a super sparkly mermaid. I am a super sparkly mermaid. There we go. All right. Um, 
if you open your fridge at night, assuming that you did that at some point, what does your fridge tell you? Assuming he can talk. <laughs> you know what? The only person who is allowed to open a fridge at night and talk and have it look hot is Nigella Lawson. She is it. She's the only person. Like that's, that's all there is to it. But if I did open my fridge at night, which I don't, to be honest, I'm not a midnight snacker at all. I actually find eating at night yuck. I don't like it. And I never have. I'm not one of those people who enjoys eating in bed either, unless it's like tea and toast or something. So this is not me. So if I did happen to wake up in the middle of the night and open my fridge and my fridge could talk, my fridge would be like, what are you doing here? Go back to bed. <laughs> or the fridge would be like, you are not Nigella, so stop trying to be Nigella. Go back to bed, Michelle. I feel like that is what my fridge would <laughs> generally say to me. All right. Um, cat or dog person? Am I a cat or dog person? So interestingly, I did not wait, grow up with animals at all. My mom claimed, I don't know how true this was, to be honest, but my mom claimed that she was allergic to all things with fur. So we never had any pets. I think in reality, she was just allergic to cleaning up after animals. And she was allergic to having to take care of animals because she's not an animal person. And so I didn't grow up with them as part of my family upbringing or my culture. I had fish, which I killed a lot of fish. There was a mouse named Brandon, but let's not talk about him because my mom might listen to this podcast and get really irritated with me. So let's not talk about the mouse named Brandon who lived in my closet in my handbag and chewed his way out at some point. Let's not talk about Brandon. But I grew up and then I had kids and I felt like maybe an animal would be a good idea because... I don't know. I sort of thought that's a thing you do. Like you grow up and you have kids and then you get dogs. I don't know why I thought that. So I convinced my, my husband and the kids that we needed an animal and we ended up getting a dog. We ended up getting a greyhound named Teddy. You might've seen him on my Instagram. He's very cozy and cute. And I adore Ted, but I'm still not an animal person. So interestingly, I hate other people's kids and I hate other people's animals. The only dog I like is my dog. That's it. I don't like anybody else's dog. I kind of like Sharon's dog. My, my business bestie, Sharon, has this very cute dog named Rufus. I quite like Rufus, but I'm only recently learning to like him. He's sort of not my thing. So that's what my thing is about animals. I love Teddy. Now, someday when Teddy passes, which I hope is not anytime soon because we all love and adore him, uh, we will replace him not with an animal for me, but probably with animals for my kids. So my, my kids are all big animal people. My daughter, Claire, plans on being a crazy cat lady. Julian sees a dog and goes all weird and, oh, I love you, doggy, about dogs. So I think any animals we get after Teddy will belong to the children, not me. I just, I have too much traveling to do. I don't know that I could handle another animal. But I will tell you that Teddy has become my very loyal companion and he sits under my desk every day, literally on top of my feet and keeps me company and I adore him. So I adore him. If any of you are interested, by the way, greyhounds make amazing, amazing, amazing family pets. They're low dander. They make nearly no noise. I've only ever heard him bark maybe half a dozen times. They only need about 20 minutes of walking a day and they're the laziest beasts you've ever met in your life. So I highly recommend them. So on the same cat or dog question, the next one is lions or bears? Um, neither. I don't really like animals. <laughs> what animals are you afraid of? Uh, all of them. No, I'm actually, you know what? I'm not afraid of animals. I'm just, I just didn't grow up with that animal thing. I'm not an animal person. I like animals. Like they're cute, but I mean, they're nice. Uh, animals, not my thing. Sorry. 
I feel like I'm upsetting all the animals lover, lovers out there. If you are an animal person, please know that I love and adore you and that's great. It's just that I didn't grow up with a culture of animals in my life. And so I'm not all that fond of them, really. Like I even find zoos kind of boring. I'm like, oh, look, it's a giraffe. Yeah, great. Panda. Ooh, meerkat. Woo. Yeah, not my thing. Animals, not my thing. Sorry. I prefer humans. Although some humans behave like animals, right? Okay. Do you think other life exists and how would it look like? So this is an interesting question because I'm not really sure if she's asking me, do I believe in aliens? Is she asking me, do I believe in the afterlife? I don't really know what she's asking me there. And so I can't answer that one. I do believe that there is an energy in the world that is not ours, but whether that takes the form of alternative universes or alternative species or alternative whatever, I've got no idea. I've really got no idea. So I don't know. I believe in the possibility of all these things. I am, well, to be fair, I used to be super, super, super skeptical about things. And these days I'm not a skeptic anymore. I'm simply a believer in that all things are possible. And I tend to take that belief across pretty much everything. So do I think other life exists? Yeah, I think it could. What would it look like? No idea. Who made the pyramids? That is an excellent question. Kind of goes with the like, was it aliens? Of course, being, being Jewish, I grew up being told that us Jews made those pyramids. So let's go with that. In truth, I have no idea because I've also read those studies which say that the, the bricks or the blocks to build them are so heavy that it would require more manpower than is possible, etc. But hey, let's go with what that religious education gave me, which is that Jews built the pyramids. And beyond that, I've got no idea. Have you ever been cursed by someone? Well, I have been cursed at by several someones, but has anybody ever placed a curse or a hex on me? I have no idea, except possibly maybe this hair is a curse. I don't know. I do love my curls, by the way. I just wish they could figure themselves out and not be so damn fluffy. So have I ever been cursed by someone? Uh, I don't know. And if I have, I've been cursed at, but I have not been hexed or cursed by someone that I know of. What is your favorite Disney movie? Okay, so this is really easy for me to answer. My favorite non-animated Disney movie is Mary Poppins. I am obsessed with that movie and I have seen it 10 billion squillion times and would happily watch it 10 billion squillion times more. But my favorite animated Disney movie is hands down The Little Mermaid. So it's The Little Mermaid because it's the very first movie that I can remember seeing in a theater now, by the time that came out, I think I was 10 or 11. So I must have seen other movies at the movie theater. But The Little Mermaid is the very first one that I can remember seeing. And I remember going to that movie and sitting in the theater and watching those incredible musical scenes play out on the big screen and just like, you know, the seaweed is always greener and all that kind of thing. And it was so joyous and it was so colorful and I loved Sebastian and the humor of the chef and all of that. And I so clearly remember every minute of sitting in that theater and just being completely blown away by that movie. So my most favorite Disney movie of all in the animated style is Little Mermaid. And for the longest time, I'll tell you that I wanted to name one of my children Ariel. But the reason I didn't name my child Ariel is because I didn't want them living a life where everybody's like, is your name Ariel? 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 What's your name? Like, I can't stand names that are hard to pronounce. I wanted it to be really obvious. And then I couldn't decide, would that kid be Ariel or Ariel? 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 I don't like too hard, man. So even though 
Sebastian refers to her as Ariel. Her dad refers to her as Ariel. And I'm like, okay, this is just all too hard. I can't handle it. Nobody knows how to pronounce her name. Hence, none of my kids are named Ariel, Ariel. (laughs) Maybe I should have gone with Sebastian, though. Anyhow, one of the great joys of my life is that my son Julian is really big in theater and musical theater. And he's in lots and lots and lots of productions with his school and various other things. And last year they did the Little Mermaid musical on stage. Oh my goodness. My heart was exploding with joy. It was the best. Anyhow. So that's my favorite Disney movie. Which movie do you know by heart? Okay, the only movie I can think of that I know by heart is, <laughs> and I'm not embarrassed by this, I feel no shame. The only movie that I'm pretty sure I know by heart is Love Actually. I freaking love that movie. It is the best movie ever. And I don't care who thinks it is cheesy and lame and romantic and whatever. That is, hands down, the bestest movie ever. And I watch that movie when it's not Christmas time because it makes me happy to see people falling in love. And yeah, I actually quote that to my kids all the time. (laughs) Embarrassingly, I quote that to my kids all the time. And I will also tell you that I travel to the UK to teach every year. And every time I enter the arrivals hall at Heathrow Airport, I say in my head, I love the arrivals hall at Heathrow Airport. (laughs) And I do that little monologue that Hugh Grant does at the beginning because I actually really love the arrivals hall at Heathrow Airport. In fact, I love everything British, including Heathrow Airport. I've spent many, many hours there and I love it. But that whole movie, oh my God, that movie is the bestest ever and I love it. So the movie I know by heart, 100% is absolutely love actually. If you ever hang out with me, you should feel free to watch it with me. If you suggest, hey, Michelle, let's hang out. And I'm like, what do you want to do? And your answer is love actually. Then I will just fall in love with you right there. Okay, so here's another one. If you could change one thing in the past, what would it be? Oh gosh. Well, I, you know what? I normally say that I don't live my life with any regrets and I really don't. I think that every experience we have, good, bad, painful, indifferent, joyous, whatever, is part of what makes up the fabric of our lives. And so I rarely, rarely, rarely say that there's something I want to go back and change because I think I stand by all the decisions I make, except for one. So this is a very personal story that I don't, I'm pretty sure I've never shared with you guys before. So the week that my father passed away, um, he, he called me like on the, on the Monday or something. I don't exactly know when he called me and he said that he wanted to have a chat with me about something. And I said, okay, well, let's chat about it now. And he said, no, no, I haven't got time now. Let's make a date to talk and we'll talk about it then. And I said, okay. And we organized to talk on Thursday morning, Australia time. We had a time and it was all organized and whatever. And that Thursday morning came and we agreed that he was going to call me. So that Thursday morning came and he didn't call me. And I thought, oh, well, he must be busy, you know, whatever. Maybe he forgot. No big deal. I won't worry about it. And my dad was a pretty formidable character. I would not say that I was afraid of him, but you didn't really want to end up on his bad side. And I guess maybe I thought whatever he wanted to talk about that was important was going to be scary. I don't really know. So I didn't call him because I thought, well, obviously he's busy. He doesn't want to talk to me. He's got other things going on. He just forgot. No big deal. I'll just catch up with him in a couple of days. And I didn't really think much more of it, but I didn't call him to say, hey, where's our phone date? And 24 hours later, he was no longer alive. 
And I have no idea what that phone call was about. I have no idea what he wanted to talk to me about. I don't know if maybe he just wanted to chat. I don't know if maybe he wanted to talk about serious stuff. I have absolutely no idea. So the answer to the question of if I could change one thing in the past, what would it be? The answer to that is really simple. I would have called my dad and found out what that conversation is. Because honestly, it drives me a little bit crazy that I don't know what he wanted to talk about. It, it, kind of eats me up inside. And the truth is maybe it was nothing. It was like absolutely nothing interesting. I'm like, hey, Michelle, let's just shoot the breeze. I, I don't know. But I didn't call him and I should have called him. So that's the one thing I would go back. Um, okay, we've got three more on the kind of more relaxed questions. And then we're going to wrap up this episode because I don't want to bore you forever. I hope this has been entertaining. To be honest, I find this entertaining. And I promise in the next episode, we'll do more serious ones. But I thought this was a bit fun. You know, podcasts are meant to be fun. You're meant to listen to them while you're working. You're meant to listen to them while you're walking, running, talking, hanging out, eating, doing whatever you're doing. So you can't always be serious around here because I'm not serious. How boring would that be? Okay, Beck wants to know, are there any cake trends you've really loved or hated? Yes, I absolutely hated with an undying passion topsy-turvy cakes. I think they're unattractive. I think they're hard to make. I think they're really easy to screw up. And I think they're awful. And when I first saw it, I was like, wow, that's so cool. And then I had to make one. I'm like, wow, this is the worst idea ever. So I cannot stand topsy-turvy cakes. I think they were iconic and cool for that short period of time. But yeah, hate them. Hard to cut, hard to make, and frankly, really easy to make look bad. So not a fan of those. Any cake trends I've really loved? Um, I think I actually, I don't love it now, to be honest, but when it first came out, I really loved Catherine Sabbath's drip cakes, the ones that you guys will have seen everywhere. For those who don't know, drip cakes were invented by an Australian. Her name is Catherine Sabbath. And I really loved them when they first came out because I felt like right before then, cake had really reached a point where it didn't look like cake. And I appreciate that artistry and I appreciate that skill in making a cake look like, you know, a teapot and making it look like a pile of books and making it look like some prints or something. And I appreciate that artistry, but I never think they look nice to eat. I never look at a cake that looks like a teapot or a pile of books or a three foot tall prince or minion or whatever and think, wow, that looks so delicious. I look at it and I think that looks beautiful and that's amazing. I really want to eat that though. And I'm a foodie. So to me, the cake trend that I really loved at the very beginning was drip cakes and the cakes that have like all the candy and macarons and whatever on them. Because to me, those look, they looked like cake that I wanted to eat. They looked so delicious and Moorish and amazing. And I was like, I totally want that. Oh my God. So I really love that trend. I don't love it as much now because I think it's a little bit overdone. And I think that <laughs> surprisingly, it's easy to screw that up as well. And plenty of people do. But that is a cake trend that I loved. I like cake that looks yummy. Looks like you want to eat it. I know. Terrible that I'm telling this to a bunch of cake decorators. But guys, just roll with me here, okay? I just... I so appreciate artistry and skill and talent, but I also appreciate cake that makes me want to eat it because that's what it's there for. Um, which cake guru would you like to meet and why? So the only cake guru I would like to meet is Ron Ben Israel. And the reason why might surprise you. I have interviewed him for the blog. I think actually, I think I did it twice. No, once. I interviewed him for the blog. I have tried to see him in New York and I missed him by one day twice. I tried to see him in Florida and missed him by like an hour or something. I have tried to connect up with him to meet him in person a number of times and it has never worked out. 
I suspect these days he's probably avoiding me because he thinks I'm a stalker. Ron, if you're listening to this, I am not a stalker. I just really need to complete that part of my life. I'm sure he's lovely in real life. And it's not so much about the meeting him in real life. It's because I've chased him around the globe like four times now. And I really need to make this happen. So I would actually love to interview him again, but he's a very busy guy and he's got lots of other things going on. But I'd like to meet him just to say that I did because it was a pleasure to interview him. It really was. And I learned, I have learned a lot from him over the years. And I know that he often talks about my book and the, and the work that I do to his students. So why I want to meet him is actually twofold. The first one is because I've missed it by that much, like five times. And also just to say thank you for supporting my work. So I'd like to express some gratitude in person. Although I have emailed my gratitude, I would like to do that in person. That's why. If you want to know who I'd like to meet that's not a cake guru in real life, um, you know, I've seen Nigella on stage and Billy on stage and Oprah on stage and all the people I love on stage and whatever. I don't know that there's anyone else that I'd really like to meet in real life other than to say that all the people I admire, I'd love to be able, instead of just meeting them, I'd love to be able to say like, hey, do you want to come to my house and watch Love Actually and drink tea? Like, I want to hang out with the people who I admire to find out if they're really like the people I want them to be. So, yeah. Nigella or Billy or Oprah or any of those other people who I admire, if you are listening, please feel free to come over to my house for Love Actually and a cup of tea. I'll even, like, bake you a cookie. And the last one, uh, I think this is a beautiful question. And so I think it's a good one to end today's episode on. And it says, if you could go back in time and talk to a young Michelle, what three things would you teach her? This is a fascinating question, and I feel like there's about a thousand things I would teach young Michelle, and so it's a little bit hard to narrow it down to three, and I will freely admit to you that until I read that question just then, I did not previously think of the answer. So this is going to come straight out of my heart and the top of my head. Probably the first thing I would tell young Michelle is, oh gosh, what would I tell her? See, this is actually really hard. I think maybe I would tell her that nothing is ever as big as it seems. Meaning that we put such weight and stock in the choices we make and the decisions we make because we feel like those decisions and choices are forever and they will affect our lives forever. And to be honest, I don't know that they do. I think that life changes so much that something that feels like a huge decision today by next week isn't that big of a deal or isn't that huge of a decision or doesn't matter that much or whatever. So I would say to her, all things are figure outable, Michelle. You know, you're going to make some bad choices and meet some bad people and do some poor things and not do the right thing, but everything's figure outable. Everything is changing, you know? And I think the second thing I would say to her is that your life will be a far bigger adventure than you could ever hope for and to discover the concept of gratitude really, really early on. One of the things that was true about me when I was a young Michelle and was a, when I was a particularly a teenager and probably even a young adult, you know, maybe in my early 20s, yeah, probably most of my 20s, I was a really forthright, confident individual, but I was also kind of... I don't want to say angry because that's not the right word, but I was sort of negative and very like, you know, screw you all and I've got this figured out and anybody, you know, I don't take no shit from nobody and blah, blah, blah. And I was very like kind of, 
I just wasn't terribly gentle. And while I wouldn't say that now I'm hugely gentle, I mean, I'm not like running around patting puppies or anything. I would still say that I've softened quite a bit and I've become far less judgmental. I've become far more accepting. I've become far more forgiving. And now that I live my life with this lens of being grateful for everything that happens to me, good, bad, and ugly, I think it's made me a much better nicer, kinder, more loving individually. So I would probably go back to that, Michelle, and say, you know what? You actually don't have to be so negative and that positive things work a lot better for leading a happy and fulfilled life. So I think that's what I'd tell her. I'd tell her, you can, you can believe what you believe with passion and with conviction, and you can take no flack from anybody and you can you can still be all those things but you can do all of that with love and you can do all of that with gratitude and you can do all that with joy and you can do all that with forgiveness not just for yourself but for other people and you can do all of that just with a far gentler approach is what I would tell her and I think the last thing I would tell young Michelle is on that Thursday morning when your dad doesn't call you you should pick up the phone and call him and at the time that I tell young Michelle that it's not going to make any sense, of course, because that will not have happened to her yet. But that's what I would tell her. On that Thursday morning when your dad misses the phone date with you, you should call him and see what he wanted. That's what I'd say. And on that note, I'm going to wrap up today's episode of the Business of Baking podcast. I know we didn't talk about business very much today and we didn't talk about baking very much today, but you know what? That's kind of the point that your whole life cannot be either business or baking. It's got to be a holistic view of your life. And my life has been very colorful and very adventurous and filled with joy and comedy and some tragedy and some drama. And it continues to be a source of adventure and joy and probably some tragedies too. But you know what? I'm learning from all of it. I'm grateful for all, for all of it. And today in particular, I'm grateful that you've been here listening to me. Thank you so much for being a supporter, not only of myself, but of the business of baking and more importantly, of each other in our community. It's really important to look after each other. So be kind to one another, be kind to yourself, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links, and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.